good morning, or rather afternoon. Uh, sorry, I'm running a bit late today. Let's try that again. Hello and good afternoon. It's Thursday, the 3rd of May, 2018. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the first and only podcast in the world dedicated entirely to autonomous cars. Today, episode 26, Autonomous Cars Get Hot, Facebook Dreams of Autonomous Cars, and BMW Plays with Lasers. All this, right now. Alright, so real quick before we get started here, just a quick reminder in case you missed our previous episode. Going forward, let's agree that if you leave me a voicemail, it's fair game to be published in a future episode, and indeed probably will be published. I think this will be much more interesting for, well, more fun for you, and certainly more interesting for everybody else, uh, rather than hearing me discuss the message you left for me. I think it's better if we go ahead and include the actual message in an episode uh, as a little soundbite, you know? So anyway, just wanted to make that clear real quick. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, autonomous cars are getting hot. So, let's take a step back for a second and remind you about the autonomous Uber test vehicle, the Volvo XC90 in Arizona, where it struck and killed a pedestrian in the intersection in the middle of the night. Now, obviously, we've discussed this repeatedly, really, ad nauseum, so we're not going to get into that whole thing again. But there is one really pressing issue that hasn't really yet been answered, and it's the issue of sort of why didn't the LiDAR sensors on the car detect the pedestrian? And it's a really good question because even if the pedestrian was invisible to, say, human eyes or regular vision cameras, they should not have been invisible to the LiDAR sensors. Now, as a quick refresher course, LiDAR, of course, are the it's the array of lasers. They're typically in a spinning device, which essentially blasts laser out into the world around as they reflect back and are then detected by the sensors of the LiDAR device. Uh, basically, this creates a so-called 3D point cloud of the world around. It's literally a three-dimensional geometry comprised of all these little points of reflected laser light that create uh, a 3D model of the world around the car. And this is the way that, well, with the exception of Tesla anyway, this is how all autonomous cars see the world. The thing about LiDAR is that, well, the great thing is this is laser, so it works really, really well in pretty much all conditions. Okay, it could be potentially adversely affected, I suppose, by really thick uh, fog, sandstorms, or other such things that might interfere with or otherwise refract the laser, I I suppose. Um, But certainly in an ordinary situation, you know, at nighttime in the shadows, there's absolutely no reason why the LiDAR shouldn't have seen the pedestrian. Now, there are some... I was about to say interesting theories as to why maybe the LiDAR didn't work, but now as I'm about to say this verbally out loud, I'm realizing that this is just sort of ridiculous, but but here, I'll let you be the judge of that. Um, the most compelling theory was that, well, it turns out that the Uber uh, test vehicles, again, these are the large Volvo XC90 SUVs, apparently these had just one LiDAR. Now, most autonomous test vehicles have several. I've seen as many as two, three, or even four, I think. Um which, as an aside, is impressive considering how ridiculously expensive these things are. Um, 
the top of the line models can be $75,000 a pop. Um, so, so anyway, so the theory goes that because this Uber test vehicle had just the one LiDAR, uh, I believe positioned on the roof, the, the center front of its roof, right? So kind of just above the windshield in the center of the car. Uh, I believe the, the theory is that it had effectively then sort of a, a, um, a blind spot, right? So if you kind of, how do I say this? If you, if you want to sort of draw lines coming off this thing on a sheet of paper, right? You can see pretty intuitively that obviously the, the, the bits immediately around it of the car, sort of the front of the car, the hood, the immediately behind it, you know, where the roof is, and even a little bit to the sides, um, obviously that's going to be blocking the the lidar from from seeing the world beyond the car right so there's going to be this sort of dead zone this, this blind spot and so the argument was that maybe this pedestrian was sort of in this blind spot but uh, i'm sure if you, you're thinking about this already then like me you're realizing this is kind of an empty theory right because i mean the pedestrian wasn't right there at the car in that very admittedly very small blind spot right she would have been sort of rather far down the road, kind of off to the left, I believe, in the shadows. So I just don't think that theory holds any water, and I just think it's a bit ridiculous, frankly, uh, unless there's just something I'm totally missing here. So uh, in any event, this question still a really big mystery. Nobody really can explain this. Um, it is weird. I mean, frankly, what's more likely is that something just went wrong with the actual technology itself, either at a hardware level or more likely at a software level, that for some reason, for whatever reason, the onboard software wasn't able to say, hey, these little points of, of bounced laser light, yeah, this is a pedestrian and this is a bicycle, probably slam on the brakes right about now. Well, um, whatever the cause of the problem, which hasn't been discovered yet, the question then can become sort of what might have helped augment this? What sort of technology is there that might have avoided uh, being fooled by or I suppose being, in, you know, simply not seeing this pedestrian? Well, it turns out a little something called uh, FLIR, uh, as in F-L-I-R, as in forward-looking infrared. I don't mean specifically just the company FLIR. I mean, certainly there's many companies that build this, but in the generic sense, I do indeed mean forward-looking infrared. So uh, infrared cameras, of course, really, really famous, uh, made famous, of course, back in the day in in war movies. We've seen these many times in military films, soldiers having the uh, the infrared goggles on their head. You know, the world around looks green, uh, you might be familiar with the concept in heat-seeking missiles in the military. These are missiles which can, well, seek out the heat signatures of, say, other aircraft. Um, and then more sort of, well, I guess more commonly in modern times anyway, we're seeing some of these even for home consumption, personal use. You can actually buy infrared sensors for your phone. They kind of plug into the charging port of your phone, and they've got their own little infrared camera on there, and they're pretty neat. Uh, besides just being lots of fun, um, you can actually use them for very practical things, right? You can find kind of leaks in your house or, you know, if you've got an insulated home, you can see where you're losing heat if there's an insulation leak somewhere and so on and so forth. So so the, the point is that basically these, these infrared cameras, they're literally just detecting heat signatures and then they typically show the result as sort of a color gradient where red tends to be hotter and of course blue tends to be colder or maybe it's more monotone where you've got sort of dark, you know, everything from black to white and then shades of gray in, in between or in the case of the popular culture military camera view where everything is shades of green. Anyway, assuming you're rather familiar with these, the idea is that it turns out these, these infrared cameras, these thermal imaging cameras, well, uh, it turns out that they're remarkably good, actually, at 
seeing just about anything with any sort of a heat signature or indeed that which tends to be colder than the surrounding area. So it turns out that these are actually accurate uh, to within 0.1 degree Fahrenheit uh, up to 240 meters away. So this is really, really good stuff. The point of all this is that it might make sense to consider outfitting autonomous vehicles with these um, thermal imaging cameras. Not obviously to replace LiDAR by any means, um, but but really just to augment them. The neat thing about these thermal cameras, um, okay, well, admittedly, it's not that they're cheap because they're not. I mean, frankly, the only consumer cars on the market that, that have them today are sort of really high-end luxury cars. Like, for example, the BMW 7 Series has this as a rather pricey option. I think something on the order of two or $3,000, if I'm not mistaken. But, but, but nevertheless, the, the point is, if you were to include this with the already admittedly expensive LiDAR systems, it would at the very least offer a really nice sort of, um, I guess, sort of a, almost like a backup method of sorts. So kind of like, okay, the LiDAR has seen sort of something there, but it doesn't really decide that it's a human. But then the thermal imaging camera would say, wait, that's a big glowing red blob. That's probably a life form, probably slam on the brakes. I don't know whether this is something that's necessary, uh, say, many years down the road when LiDAR and other ancillary sensor devices are so good as to render the need for thermal imaging uh, re- just, you know, needlessly redundant. But it's a really interesting um, you know, thing to think about. Um, and uh, indeed, there's an article about this over at Wired Magazine. The title is, Heat-Seeking Cameras Could Help Keep Self-Driving Cars Safe. Um, and, you know, it's just a neat thing to consider because after all, I think right now with respect to ensuring that we really fast track autonomous cars to get them on the road as quick as possible, really, if there's any way to help facilitate that, then by all means, perhaps we should do it. Um, I don't know. I'm not usually a fan of kind of stopgap solutions. I'm not really a fan of kind of interim sort of band-aid fixes for things. I, I, I think they tend to be sort of too much of a wasted resource, honestly. I'm not too embarrassed to admit I've never really been a fan of hybrid vehicles, for instance, although I'm a huge fan of of fully electric vehicles. So I, I realize it's a bit silly, a bit short-sighted. I mean, but what can I say? Uh, let me know what you think about this. Um, I uh, Yeah, leave me a voicemail. We can talk about it further. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So I... Definitely always like to discuss really sort of time-sensitive, up-to-the-date news. But there's something I stumbled across back in September that, um, frankly, I had never seen before. Although, I guess, as soon as I start talking about it, either A, many of you will have heard about this, or B, you'll agree it's pretty obvious. But I still think it warrants a brief discussion. Um, Facebook and autonomous cars. No, Facebook don't appear to be building an autonomous car of their own, but it turns out that they are very keen to get into the industry because, of course, they are. First, obviously, there's a huge, huge, well, let's put it this way, 
uh, obviously billions of dollars spent in the uh, automotive industry generally. Obviously, Facebook making what eighty-ish percent of its revenue off ads. Um, so obviously, there's a huge, huge incentive there to get into things. Uh, Facebook, of course, also really into uh, not just social marketing, of course, but everything new in the space of uh, AR, that's augmented reality, and of course, VR, virtual reality. So this is a uh, an article I discovered over at Forbes. Uh, the title is, Is Facebook Building an Autonomous Car? And it's it's a really great read because, um, I mean, it's it kind of touches on all these many, many different points, actually. But the particular thing that really struck me that I wanted to discuss here Kind of, kind of get a sense for what all of you think about this. Whether it's a thing you would like, let me just distill it and, admittedly, perhaps oversimplify for the, you know, for the sake of easy discussion here. The the general idea is to imagine a world where, where basically, Facebook is able to share with automakers your your tastes and preferences for for cars generally, and even if it's not for cars generally. Uh, in the specific sense, you know, that is the cars themselves, that it can share data about you with respect to your tastes and preferences for sort of how you live. So, for example, if Facebook knows that you're a huge fan of sort of, I don't know, off-roading, camping-type adventures, whether, you know, maybe Facebook knows that you love doing sort of, you know, you're really into like motorsports and you love doing sort of automotive track days, as it were. The idea is that by being able to share this information with automakers, well, they'd be able to more sort of directly customize a vehicle just for you. So for example, so imagine that you have, well, think of it this way. Right now, if you go to say, uh, spec out and price a new car that you're interested in buying or leasing, what do you do, right? You, you go to the website, well, I guess some of you maybe actually go to the dealership, but that's just, no, you, you typically go to a website. Um, you sort of run through the so-called car configurators to specify all the different, you know, trim levels, engine options, uh, you know, uh, the various options that you add onto the car so that, you know, what once started out as a $30,000 car is now suddenly a $90,000 car. Um, anyway, you go through all these various options then you get to the bit at the end, which is sort of the dealer installed options, things like, I don't know, bike racks and, you know, ski racks, uh, third row of seat for the seven kids that you want to haul around. So, you know, the idea is that you, you kind of do all this stuff manually, right? Which is, okay, it's perfectly fine and well, I suppose. But the idea here is that if automakers have access to your Facebook profiles, then as soon as you go to a to an automotive website and you'd presumably log in with, or yeah, you basically have to share your information, obviously, through Facebook with the automaker, um, they'd be able to sort of have access to all of your Facebook data and based on your kind of your, your likes, your interests, your hobbies, it theoretically at least should be able to customize and suggest just the kind of car for you. So for instance, again, if, if the idea is that you're really sort of outdoorsy type, you know, lots of camping adventures or like I said, automotive track days, well, it's going to, it's going to suggest a car that has just the needs for you right? Just the kind of options and features that you're going to want. Now, this seems potentially maybe either, well, I guess in a best case scenario, this seems sort of unnecessary. And in a worst case scenario, downright creepy and privacy invasive and all, all sorts of stuff. But I think it's admittedly also just kind of scratching the surface. But I do think it's an important thing to consider. Um, and, you know, as an aside, we need not consider this only with respect to cars. I think very obviously, Facebook should be therefore looking into a similar space, say, with, I don't know, clothing, right? I mean, if you can do image recognition for 
you know, for, for your faces and photographs, why not do it for your clothing? And frankly, similar thing with travel. So obviously lots and lots of different ways this can be, this can be applied. Um, so, you know, I think, and then, all right. So then moving on to another area, this, this is very likely to be a big space again, because obviously like Google, Facebook making so much, the vast majority of its revenue off advertising. Well, this doesn't require too much of an imagination. There's just not much of a leap to be made here that obviously at some point when we do have fully autonomous cars, well, for better or worse, okay, if I'm honest, mostly for worse, um, we're going to start to see potentially a lot of advertising inside of cars. Uh, And if not inside, you know, on the physical cars themselves, for example, the in-car displays or heck, even the windows, I suppose, we're certainly going to be able to see more advertising on our mobile devices uh, by virtue of the fact that now companies will know that, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're in a car with this little tiny pod <laughs> sort of trapped there. Um, you know, it's driving us from A to B. And so suddenly, well, rather than being focused on the road, our eyes are now free for, well, I was going to say for better or worse. Our eyes are now unfortunately free to be completely bombarded by advertisements. So I could see this being a really powerful ad revenue source um, with respect to cars that are uh, leased or sort of, you know, uh, on demand kind of a thing. Uh you know, presumably, obviously, if you own your own car, it'd be less of a deal. But I could totally see Facebook getting involved there where they're going to want to capture as much of that ad space as possible. So anyway, lots of things to think about there. Um, give me some ideas of some other ways in which you think Facebook and I think social media generally is likely to tap this sort of freed up time um, for people in autonomous cars and how really this is going to evolve over time. Um, but yeah, leave me a message. Let me know what you think. So, quick note on BMW here and their plans for autonomous car future. Um, taking a step back for a second, if you think back to, I think it was one, maybe two episodes back, we had a brief discussion about the positively catastrophic uh, PR disaster if Porsche, say, were to announce that, well, the new version of the venerable 911 was going to be rolled out with fully autonomous driving functionality. In fact, you could option your new Carrera 4 with no steering wheel or gas pedals. I mean, this would just be a disaster, right? And now looking at BMW, same thing. I mean, if BMW were to make this announcement, BMW, the self-professed ultimate driving machine, can you imagine it? BMW releases a new M4 with no steering wheel. This, This just wouldn't make any sense. I'm not about to get in the discussion right now about the inevitability of this happening at some point down the road. But for the immediate future, this is just not a thing that it's going to happen. It just, it isn't. Um, in the same way that automakers like Porsche and BMW and Ferrari have been the longest holdouts even to implement, say, hybrid technology. And ironically, as an aside, they've implemented it to massive, stellar success. Um, well, similarly, I think they're going to be the longest holdouts for fully autonomous cars too. That said, hasn't started or haven't stopped them from getting started. Um, so BMW in particular, right? Their goal is to start rolling out a ride-hailing service. Uh, this by 2021, um, and it looks like one of their big first steps was to secure a supplier for the lidar lasers. Well, turns out BMW has in fact just struck such a deal with industry supplier Magna. Uh, and its partner, Innoviz. Um, looks like these then are going to be the suppliers for the laser, uh, for the lasers for the LiDAR scanners. 
Um, this, of course, to be used in BMW's sort of countermeasures against Tesla and its autopilot and Cadillac's supercruise. So really exciting to see that, uh, after all, everybody, including the high-end driver's cars, so to speak, are absolutely getting on this bandwagon. Not that there was any doubt about that, but mark my words, they are going to be the last ones to offer a car without a steering wheel or gas pedal. That said, I suppose there could be an exception made for BMW's sub-i brand, or I should say i sub-brand. There we go. For example, the uh, the little the plucky little BMW i3. I do I do imagine a relatively not so distant future in the next say 2 to 3 years, 4 years, 5 at the most where we see an i3 optionally without a steering wheel. But we're not going to see an M4 without a steering wheel or an M6 or an M8 or whatever M cars they have. That's just not going to happen for at least another 10 years. Um, but yeah, so good to see, though, that they're making progress. Can't wait for the ride-hailing uh, project to get rolled out in the next few years as well. All right, so that's a wrap. Um, and that'll do it for this week. Uh, I think next week what we're going to do is I'm going to move things back to doing two episodes Mondays and Fridays for two reasons. One, I think that doing it Tuesday and Thursday, which has sort of happened just kind of by accident in the last couple of weeks, I think those episodes tend to be spaced too closely together with too much of a gap on either end. Um, so I think by doing episodes on Mondays and Fridays, uh, it, it kind of more evenly spaces out those episodes and... Second of all, it still leaves space to do a third episode on Wednesday for really heavy news weeks. So um, hopefully you'll like that as well. Um, what else can I say? Uh, obviously, really excited to announce that listenership continues to rise. So by all means, as I've said before, if you continue to listen, I will continue to produce. So please do keep sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. Make sure to like it, review it, thumbs up it, star it whatever it just just keep the positive reviews coming in and listening and i will keep going um what else uh yeah be sure to to of course you know shoot me any questions you have on twitter at mark hoag that's m-a-r-c-h-o-a-g um if you have any questions or just want to leave a voicemail generally go ahead and do it as i've said i will include your uh, your voicemail as a sound bite in a future episode unless of course you explicitly ask me not to but uh yeah other than that enjoy the rest of the week have a wonderful weekend We'll talk next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.